Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. If these numbers hold, the biggest victory for a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest. A relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under, under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. Uh, he did take time to praise his rivals, Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy by name. Rather un-Trump-like to do that. Uh, gracious, but perhaps a sign of some message discipline, at least for one night. He also praised his wife, all five of his children, all five by name. The victory for Mr. Trump was a decisive one. The number's still coming in, but Trump on course as of now to have the strongest showing of any non-incumbent in the modern era of the Iowa caucuses. And the entrance polls show how, with majorities of caucus goers saying that they believe the lie, that President Biden didn't win legitimately. It's a false belief, but it shows the degree to which Trump has, has remade and refashioned the Republican Party in his image, not only with new Republican voters coming in, but also by convincing Republicans of his ideology, even when empirically false. Mr. Trump, of course, facing 91 felony charges, and the majority of caucus goers today said that they would vote for him for president, even if convicted, whether related to his attempts to overturn the 2020 election or his handling of classified materials. Either way, nonetheless, a powerful, powerful victory for him, record-breaking if the numbers hold. Aaron? Jake, uh, you know, an, an interesting we understand, at least Kristen said, they got rid of the teleprompter right before he was starting to speak. And then, as Jake emphasized, very uncharacteristic. You don't want to read too much into it, but clearly he got the message uh, that this is when he was saying, uh, Caitlin, uh, you know, come together, praising his rivals, that that was what he wanted people to hear in this moment. Yeah, it shows how confident he feels coming off of this win. I mean, I haven't heard Donald Trump give a speech like that probably in eight years. And I've been to a lot of Donald Trump's speeches. I mean, he hasn't called Ron DeSantis Ron since Ron DeSantis entered the right, presidential race. He has only he called him. Him, him by nicknames and called him disloyal. And to see him give that speech, I think, speaks to how he feels after this victory tonight. But I also think this is a speech that he's giving after he has not had any wins in several years. I mean, he lost the 2020 election. He's facing 91 criminal counts. He's going to be in a New York courtroom tomorrow for a trial where a, a jury will determine how much he owes the columnist Eugene Carroll for defaming her, something that they've already decided. They're not deciding that. They're deciding how much he owes her. And I think that is what is fueling that attitude that you saw there, where he was speaking graciously of his opponents, clearly calling on them to drop out of the race and talking about this notion of uniting the country, which struck me given obviously how polarized the country is at this moment and this idea of uniting liberals and conservatives in that speech. But I think it's also because he has not had a win like that in so long. I mean, he's only dealing with criminal charges and civil suits and trials. But he's trying to keep an, uh, a sense of inevitability about this. I mean, this is the kind of speech you would expect to hear from a candidate after Super Tuesday, if they've won, you know, five or six states and they're rolling to the nomination. This is the very first contest, <laughs> right, right. the first one. And he was sending all kinds of signals to Capitol Hill, to his rivals. He just two days ago was attacking Vivek Ramaswamy. Tonight, he was praising him. He was using Ron DeSantis's actual name. I mean. He, he's sending a signal to his party, this thing is over, and he wants them to get on board. We'll see what happens, but that, mis that was the signal that was unmistakable to me as he heads into this next week going into New Hampshire. And I was struck by the number of senators and congressmen that were mm -hmm. there. I mean, it just shows you that 
as he has a grip on the electorate, a grip on the base. He has a grip on the establishment, too, very much so. I mean, at the beginning of Trump's candidacy, there was a lot of hesitation on Capitol Hill among members. They were looking at Ron DeSantis. And you started to see slowly member after member started to get to behind him. That's been an increasing trickle over the last several days. And you're seeing the Republican leadership in the House all fall behind him. One of the first people to praise Donald Trump for his victory tonight was a new speaker, Mike Johnson, right. coming very out early. very yeah. early, saying it's time to unite the party. There's still divisions. Mitch McConnell, John Thune, the one and two Republicans in the Senate are not behind Donald Trump yet. They clearly want to move on from Trump, but they're going to almost, they looks like they can be stuck with him as the nominee, but Trump expecting the days ahead that more of those Republicans, they'll decide to get on board behind Trump because they don't want to be on the wrong side of the, the party's nominee, potentially. With all the congressional endorsements mainly of him, I think there were five for Ron DeSantis, and with what Abby just said, that Trump's clearly calling on the party to, to fall in line. Ron DeSantis is not falling in line. A senior campaign official says that he is staying in the 2024 race. He is going to go on to New Hampshire. As we know, he has a town hall scheduled with CNN tomorrow night. But, but they said that they do believe, based on the numbers that they've seen so far, after they were complaining about how early this race was called, that he has earned his ticket out of Iowa. So Ron DeSantis is not dropping out of the race. Yeah, I mean, the conversation around the Republican Party is always, as they were saying earlier, is it half full or half empty for Trump? Is it that he has so much support or, you know, maybe about half the party wants to vote for someone else? But when you look back, 2016 and even 2020, Trump has only consolidated Republicans, even when there has been division. When in 2016, he came out of Iowa with just 25% of the support of Republicans. He went on to consolidate almost all the support it, in the high 80s, 88% in mm -hmm. the general election, even more so in 2020 against Trump. Trump has shown that he can bring Republicans back into the fold. So I don't necessarily think that people should read too much into the folks who cast ballots for DeSantis or Nikki Haley and whether or not that means Trump is or losing support. At the end of the day, when Republicans put that red shirt on, they stick with the candidate who is who is tied to their party. And the challenge has always been, how do you get them to not do that? It just hasn't worked over the last couple of cycles. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the questions here is to how, the extent to which the Biden team comes and tries, points to this victory to try to essentially scare their supporters to start to fall in line. Have you seen poll after poll where Biden is behind. We know a lot of Biden Democratic voters, a lot of people who are independent and don't like Donald Trump, simply don't believe that Donald Trump will be the nominee. But even though it's been clear for months for people who follow this very closely that Trump is the dominant frontrunner, perhaps it will be more clear to those same skeptical voters after today that Donald Trump could very well be the nominee. The Biden team undoubtedly will try to I mean, capitalize uh, on it. you raised the point earlier. Um, he, he's, he's winning uh, non-college, obviously. He's doing better than anybody else among college-educated. Huge improvement. And also, now, Audie Cornish did mention, who knows what independent means when you self-identify in an entrance poll as independent. Uh, in Iowa, it's unclear. But nonetheless, he, he won that group as well. So he may look at tonight and say, well, actually, there is a path for me to win back some of these people. Uh, you know, that had that had strayed away from the Trump train. Yeah, and look, and that, the question is whether or not he can convince the, the rest of the party that that's the case as well. And undoubtedly, that's that's going to be one of the key points that they're going to talk to. There was about, what, 15 or 16 point swing among college-educated voters, still 36%. There's still a lot of those same voters. That was Nikki Haley's biggest voting block. 
where do those other 30% who voted for Nikki Haley among college-educated voters go? If she were to drop out, do they go to Trump, or do they decide it's time to vote for a Democrat? Yeah, you make such an important point about the Democrats and what they have to do here. And, of course, there's some persuasion that has to happen, especially for the disaffected voters in the middle of the electorate and even in Biden's base. But fundamentally, they just want to remind people Trump is probably going to be on the ballot. And what, what does Donald Trump mean? Is it the guy we saw tonight with all the platitudes and praise and let's bring the country together? Or is it the one from a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago talking about whether or not he's going to be a dictator if he's elected in office? Yep. Which Trump is it going to be and how the Biden campaign frames that is going to be perhaps more important than trying to necessarily persuade Republican-leaning voters to vote for Joe Biden. But before we even get there, looking at New Hampshire and where Nikki Haley would be poised, conventionally speaking, to do better than she, she has done maybe in Iowa tonight, uh, and Ron DeSantis telling his campaign telling me that they are going to stay in this race, that is exactly what Donald Trump wanted to be the outcome of this. He wanted to have a decisive victory for himself and he wanted them to still be in a race for second place because they believe that that helps them going into New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if it had not been a strong showing for Ron DeSantis, he had gotten out of the race, Nikki Haley would be consolidated as the Trump alternative in this race. And right now, I mean, we still have to wait, obviously, and see what happens. That's not what's happening here. So I think if you are someone who doesn't want Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee, that would probably be the best argument, but that's not what we're seeing play out right now. And look at the map uh, here, as everyone can just see. Right now, uh, Trump leading in every single county in Iowa, except for the one where we don't actually have any votes come in yet. So that would be 98 counties right now he is uh, leading in in Iowa. And the one that we ca I can't say 99 because we just don't have the data. And overall, that adds up to now a, a win margin here, 50.9. Now, that's moving back and forth a little bit as these final votes come in. Uh, but, it, you know, you talk about unprecedented, looking at a map that way where it's every single county uh, certainly is something new.